Hi, you're listening to The Athlete Handbook. To add to page one of your handbook, today we have Sue Anderson from Sue Anderson Consulting and Callie Frost, our Westwick Para Equestrian Athlete. Throughout the episode, Sue and Callie chat Callie's athlete journey and talk all things unshakable athletes. Enjoy. Welcome everybody. I'm Sue Anderson and with me this morning we have Kelly Frost. So thank you so much for joining us um, today, Kelly. Kelly, you are an athlete who's supported by Westwick Academy of Sport, which is super exciting. So I thought we might just spend, say, the next half an hour, just if you could share with you, you know, your journey, some of your challenges, um, a bit about your sport and also your hopes and dreams and maybe how Westwick Academy have been supporting you with that. Yep. Um, well, I'm a paradressage rider. So I started riding when I was three, which is a long time ago, and now 37. Um, I had a spinal cord injury that was due to a car accident when I was 30. The car accident was when I was 15, so we had a big gap in between. Um, it's been challenging, obviously because I got put in a wheelchair and it made it that I had to relearn how to ride again. Um, mm. Yeah, it's the sport is hard. It, you have to challenge yourself. You have to really concentrate. Um, I've got a brain injury as well, so that makes it a, that little bit harder. I have a coach that calls my tests for me so that I don't have to remember them. Um, yeah. And Sorry, what did you say, Cal? Your coach calls your what? Calls my tests. Um, the tests, they're two, normally two to three pages worth of movements that you have to do throughout your competition. Um, and I go around, I can remember probably two of them and then, and then they're gone. So the coach remembers them and yells them out from the side of the arena to make it that little bit less stressful and a bit easier for my brain right. to comprehend. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay. So can I just go back there? So did you say that you were in a car accident when you were 15? Yeah. But then you you said something about when you were 30, so I didn't quite understand yeah, um, that. The car accident was when I was 15, but then when I was 30, oh. they found an aneurysm that was caused by the accident. So they put a stent in the aneurysm and that's what caused the spinal cord injury was the stent blocked and cut off all the blood supplied from my aorta down to my legs. Wow. Okay. So that happened when you were 30. So were you riding and competing from 15 through to up until 30? Yeah, I, I was I was a bush rider. I liked going, I'd gone out, I'd competed when I was younger, up to about 13, 14. Um, did a couple mm-hmm. of pony club ones when I was 15, but then after that I stopped it and went, okay, I don't like didn't really like the competition pressure, but then mm-hmm. now it's there's not much of an option. You can't go trail riding when you've got no legs and because you're in a lot of land and horse can take mm. off and you've got no control over it so it's kind of you put in a ring now and it's that's your options yeah okay, okay. so what do you call the sport that you're doing now so you're para dressage para dressage that's what you call it yeah, yeah. okay yeah. and what is it about that sport that you love um, well, obviously, there's a great community about it. Um, everyone helps each other. We all work together. Um, if anyone's got any problems, you can speak to other riders about it. In able-bodied sport, 
everyone's not quite so tightly knit. It's kind of a bit competition-ish, whereas in parasport, they, everyone kind of helps each other. It doesn't matter what you do or how you come placed. It's everyone's there to support you regardless. Mm, sounds yeah. like a community. Yeah, it is, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So you would just say then that you started competing at 30 or was 30, it after? 31, 32, 30. 31, 32. Yeah, we yeah. started competing November 2020, I believe, I think. <laughs> I can't remember, to be honest. It's been a few events now. Yeah, yeah. I entered, started off with my horse, Charlie, which I bought once I became a para rider. He was trained for para riders and to use a hoist and all that sort of stuff so that then I could get on. Um, mm-hmm. And he kind of was my stepping stone that I went out in the grassroots level and started off with him and worked my way through the grassroots level and said, all right, well, we've done the grassroots. So we need to move up to the mm-hmm. next one. So now we're in the FEI level, which is the international level. Um, we were working with a fellow named Dijon, um, but recently I had a fall off him. So we've, he's on the back burner now, now looking for a new horse. Okay. Yeah. So that's the horse. <laughs> yeah. So now it's need a horse. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And it's always challenging finding a oh horse for a para rider as well, because they're going to have like a really level head. They've got to be switched on. They've got to know what they're doing. Yeah, you can't get something that's just recently been broken in and jump on it and hope that it's going to be fine for a para rider. It needs to be really sound and quiet. And yeah, they've got to have a certain thing about them. And then, so how do you find that horse? Is that again the community helps you? How do you? Yeah, everyone will never, like Julia is really good. That's my coach. She goes about and she knows a lot of people and speaks to different ones. And obviously, it's she'll look at their temperament and how they're moving and all that sort of stuff. And it's all a matter of how they cope under a para rider. So yeah, we've had, a, like, I've tried a few different ones. Most of them cope pretty well. I've had a couple that haven't coped well. One I couldn't stop and he jumped beside arena little rail and <laughs> that was pretty funny, but yeah, it, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> Gave me a little bit of fright, but I stopped, he stopped eventually, <laughs> but yeah. Can I just take you back to, so you said you started at the grass grassroots level. What was that like for you? What inspired you to go, okay, I'm going to give this a go? Well, I put down to I don't do much. Like I sit at home when I'm not riding, I'm at home with the kids. And other than family life and my horses, I don't do much. So I was like, well, I'm going to be able to go out and do something that I enjoy. So and going to the competitions and stuff you get to hang out with all your friends that you do ride with and when you aren't competing there's that downtime where you'll go get a barbecue or you'll nick down the street and go to the pub for tea and so it's you make friends out of it too so I guess yeah. that side of it's enjoyable too so it's you've got both yeah, mm. yeah. and it's near break from the kids because when I go and compete I go away without the kids <laughs> it's kind of good two, two three days downtime <laughs> yeah, sounds good. So for you, getting into that grass um, roots level, that was about, okay, something for me to do. I can meet new people, which is really important. 
what was it like? Can you take me back to like maybe the, the first couple of times? Because I'm imagining, like I'm terrified. First couple of times I was really, really nervous. First time I was really nervous. I felt like I was going to throw up, <laughs> to be honest. But yeah. there was some girls there that, I, well, the girl I bought the horse from, she was there and a couple of others. I had a, couple, a groom and stuff like that. And they walked me over and were talking to me the whole time and said, don't worry, breathe, relax. I still I was still mm-hmm. nervous as going in there and nearly had tears running down my face with nerves but it's all part and parcel I guess of sport every time you go and compete you're going to be nervous of how you're going to do it's just you have to mm-hmm. kind of put that at the back of your head and go I've got to do the best I can regardless of how nervous I am yeah okay yeah and is that your strategy even today because you're obviously you're still competing and you're competing at a high level yeah. is that your strategy yeah, put the nerves at the back of your head and just go, all right, I've got to do the best I can. Yeah, yeah, that's what I that's my motto at the moment. Um, the last comp, I actually didn't get a lot of nerves. I was like, well, it's it's a comp. I knew what to expect. You kind of know what to expect from the judges once you've done a couple of comps because they give you comments and stuff on your test and it gives you feedback so you understand what you need to work on and all that sort of stuff. So I kind of had in the back of my head, all right, they're probably going to pick on this, this and this because they picked on it last time. Yeah, so it made it easier and it you know, the nerves don't stress you as much. I suppose in a higher level, like I've only done the lower level international sport, if I went to somewhere like the World Games or Paris, for instance, for the Paralympics, it would make it a bit more stressful because, yeah, you're in the limelight then sort of thing. Yeah, and Kelly, is that something that you're aiming for, Paris? Yeah, I'm aiming for Paris. I would love to go to Paris if we can qualify, if we find a horse and I can get the scores. Yeah. We might come back to that. I just wouldn't mind just looping back to to the nervous because a lot of athletes do get nervous before. Yes. And then you've shared one of your strategies that you use, which is put it to the back of your head and go, all right, I'm just going to do the best I can. And then you also described that, um, you know, if like you're lucky in your spot, you get feedback from. Yes. There's lots of sports you don't get feedback. Like you just either win or lose the game. And that's you're left with doubt about why you don't know why you lost or why you won or. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned something around, you know, because you knew what to expect. It was almost like you can come in a bit more prepared. Yeah. Do you think there's a link there for you between how prepared you are and nerves? And how do you how do you know when you've done enough in your preparation? Well, I guess there is no way of knowing if you've done enough enough until you get your score. If you've done enough in preparation and everything worked right you've got a good score at the end of the day. So I guess once you get to the stage where you're getting consecutively good scores, well, then you know that you're doing enough. And obviously everyone still tries to improve no matter what, but there's no perfect dressage rider. There hasn't been a 100% test ridden by someone yet. So, yeah, I think the highest able body I've got is into the 90s. So and para riders are sitting around the 70s, 75s at the moment. And, yeah, so it's you can try, try all you want, <laughs> but it's whether the judges think it's perfect. Yeah. Right. Oh, interesting. Okay. So then you mentioned just still continuing on the topic of feeling nervous. 
And then you said, you know, if hopefully, fingers crossed, all going well, you will be competing at Paris at the Olympics. How will you, what are some strategies for, okay, this is like next level, really important competition. What are your strategies for um, getting the most out of yourself then, even when you are feeling nervous? Um, Well, mine is I sit by myself. Mine, I can't really talk a lot to people when I'm in that nervous mode. I sit there by myself and I think, (laughs) and I think, and I think, yeah. Um, music does help me a little bit. So like I probably might have a speaker at the stables that's got some music playing on it. Hopefully it won't annoy other people. But if not, I'll put my earphones in and listen to some music. And yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, I, awesome. Yeah. I guess I just kind of try and use the nerves as well. You've kind of got to try and use them to the best of your ability to make it that your performance doesn't suffer because of your nerves. Because sometimes mm. if you're extremely nervous, your horse feels it. So it makes it that the horse then will, might react or play up or something like that. So you kind of have to keep your nerves at a minimum. Yeah, of course. I'd forgotten yeah. that. Because for a lot of um, athletes, <laughs> they have equipment, but the equipment yeah. is affected by how they're feeling. Not like your rugby chair is going to get nervous if you get nervous, whereas your horse can – they say that horses can feel your heartbeat from yeah. 400 metres away. So – yeah, it's if if you're sitting on top of them, they've got a good feeling of your heartbeat. So if you're nervous and it's pounding, <laughs> they're going to be nervous as well. Yeah, interesting. Wow, that's fascinating. I hadn't thought of that. Okay. Find more, you put your head up and go. I'm not nervous. I'm put my chin up and I'll ride in there. Mm. No problem. So it's going to benefit your horse more than anything. Yeah, and I'm prepared. Yeah. And I'll do the best I can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, awesome. And just going back also, you mentioned feedback, which is such a great topic, isn't it, for yes, athletes? it is. How do you, like, can you can you take us back maybe to a time where you did a competition and you got feedback and you are like, ah, oh, how do you, you know, have has how you think well, about feedback changed? I've always struggled. There's two movements that I've really struggled with, which is leg yielding because I don't have legs. It makes it hard to leg yield to because you normally in that motion you would normally use your opposite leg to make them move over and I don't have that pressure to put on them but I have to use whips and stuff instead so it makes it that the horse sometimes gets a little bit confused and my body doesn't like to do the movement very well Um, so we got lots of tests where that was marked down on Um, we finally only just recently worked it out and managed to get it that it was well hopefully hopefully going to get better scores for it but now I won't be competing in October so yeah we'll have to wait and see what the new horse brings hopefully it brings some good movements with it and not too much effort <laughs> yeah okay yeah. so let me get this right yeah, you- if they say something that you don't like to hear like if you think that it was good and then they say it was terrible you're like hang on I thought that was good and then you have to really look back and hopefully someone filmed it for you so then you can look at what what it was that you did wrong it's good feedback watching yourself on video then you can see what you did wrong or what was wrong with with the picture if that makes sense Mm. Mm. so in your sport from and it's interesting that you call it tests because most people would be like oh why would I choose to do a test I guess for (laughs) other sports it's you know the the race or the game or the 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 competition but in your sport you call it the test 
And then do you get like written feedback from the judges? And do they yes, also um, how to improve or is it just an evaluation? Um, they put things like, for instance, if your horse isn't going uh, forward enough, they'll put you need to be more forward, needs to be more consistent in the contact, which is like what your contact is with the reins. Um, for instance, they might say the horse was thinking backwards, which shows like the horse was like in a movement you were trying to get it to go forward, but it was kind of stepping and hesitating away. They'll put that it was thinking backwards. So there's all different mm-hmm. terms of what they use, but they do put kind of it, just the way that they put it. Yeah, I understand if that makes sense. What you mean? Yeah, that's yeah, so- yeah, and they you get scores out of like one to ten. So and. They score a movement like a couple of times I got threes and fours for my what they call a walk pirouette. Um, you have to get the horse to turn around, like do a 180, but not move their back legs off the track. They have to step on the spot with their back legs and only move their front legs around over their shoulders. So it makes it that it's quite difficult to do. <laughs> so, yeah, and I'm not very good at that movement, unfortunately. So I've been working on that yeah. one a lot. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> it was very so, low mark. <laughs> how, how do you get into that mindset of I'm not I got a low mark for this particular skill um, I'm not very good at, at it yet and then you just said so I've been working on that a lot how do you what, what's your thinking around okay if I'm not very good at this particular part I'll work on that a lot was that your coach told you to do that or do you figure it no, out together? Just, we've been working on it more to try and get it more consistent so then it's better than what, what it was, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest problem is getting them to turn. Like I can get them to turn, but they normally come out off the track, so it makes it that it's not a little tiny circle. It ends up being a big circle. So mm-hmm. we just had to really minimise the size down. So we started using other techniques of like putting poles in the way to stop him going forward more and, one at the side so then he couldn't go out far and yeah yeah you just have to train it better and how was your thinking because you know you're describing to me the strategies you use with the horse how do you like stay calm or not get frustrated or do you love it do you see that you're making progress and that's exciting for you yeah if I see that I'm making progress it's exciting if it if if I'm not making progress I do feel a bit down I'm like why is it not working but if you show frustration on the horse, the horse reacts. So you've got to keep your frustrations to a minimum, obviously. Yeah, horses react to a lot of things. They're an animal, so it makes it that you're not just working with yourself, you're working with another living animal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting as I think about, you know, different sports and some of our famous sports people, and I'm thinking about some of our male tennis players, um, you know, they're, they're so emotional and they you know they, they get so frustrated and, you, we've and seen then they throw their tennis rackets and that you can't throw your horse unfortunately so you've in your sport you've really got to be like regulating your emotions yeah yeah and like you can have your meltdown once you're off the horse mm-hmm. and have your little hissy fit about okay it went terrible I felt really disabled that that ride it was awful and but it's doesn't really get you anywhere like being upset about it and down about it doesn't really help the problem that's if you're trying to fix something you've got to try and fix it and not get upset about it because otherwise mm. you, you get upset about it doesn't fix it 
Yeah. So have have you had or yeah. do you still have many of those meltdowns where you are, you know, get off and it hasn't gone according to what you planned? Does that happen very often or is this sort of a general attitude you've got with life? Just it's not going to help fix it. Just keep, keep yeah, moving. That's just a general attitude I have with life. Like there's no point getting down and upset about it. There's not much you can do to if if you're, for instance, in a test and it didn't go well, there's not much you can do to fix it. The test's over with. So same as like when I'm put in a wheelchair, there's nothing I could do to get the legs back. They're gone. So it's, you just deal with it. Yeah, I guess that's just my attitude. I just deal with things. Yeah. Mm. So when you just deal with it, how do you actually do that? If you were to teach your younger self, how do you just how to deal, deal with it? it? <laughs> I've just I've just come to the thing of I just really push past it as much as I can. I try not to go back to those feelings. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, they're there. You yeah. have days where you'll there might be a day where eventually I end up breaking down, having this big mopey cry, but I haven't yet. So yeah, it might happen eventually. You never know, but you just mm. go with the flow, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. So you've got some really useful and interesting strategies. You've got, you know, I'll do the best I can. Um, I'll, I'll be as, you know, prepared that I can be. Um, sounds like you've got a great attitude to receiving feedback. You've, you're yeah. in a situation where you, you have to, well, it's going to work better for your sport if you're regulating your emotions. You're like, exactly. because you're getting feedback. From the, from the judges, but your horse is getting feedback from you. Yes, exactly. From everything, every single thing you do, every single little mo- movement you make, the horse feels because they've got a bit in their mouth, like you're playing with a metal bit in their mouth in between your hands. So really they feel everything. Yeah. yeah. And then you described even emotionally how you're feeling. They're going to pick up on that. Your yes. horse, like you were saying with about the pounding heart, your yes. horse be impacted and affected by how you're feeling yeah exactly so it's you kind of it's a good sport because it helps you regulate your emotions because you have to you don't have an option if you go out there upset crying with a heart pounding heart the horse is going what the hell's going on why is she so upset yeah yeah because I've had days where like where I haven't been able to ride and stuff and I've gone out and had a little cry with my horse and they'll put their head in your lap and they know that you're upset they they know everything and they know if you're angry or telling them off they put their ears you can tell by their ears yeah so it's it's really intuitive yeah so as we think about you know all the athletes who West Vic Academy sport athletes watching this now um you know it'd be really useful for them to go all right well how am I going with with my emotions and my when things go wrong and all you know nerves um yeah is my sport going to be impacted by how I'm feeling before the competition during after you know what's going to be the best way for me to think about my emotions so that I can you know acknowledge them but then not let them get in in the way or like you said earlier you said about using the nervousness yeah you use them to the to your benefit like I try and bundle it up and kind of put it into my energy because like my energy levels struggle sometimes on competitions because you're riding for three days straight and 
all that sort of stuff and just the competition in general you use a lot more energy than being at home and doing your usual stuff um so as I really try and bundle up my nerves and kind of use them put them out as energy yeah (laughs) yeah yeah awesome so as far as your thoughts on competition like would you say that you're a competitive person and you love competing what is it about competition that attracts you because if you want to share you you do have some big bigger goals like Paris Olympics yeah Paris is a big goal um I tried to get to the world championships in August but we just missed out by a little bit on our scores so that was a bit a little bit disappointing because you put a lot into a campaign of going to the the competitions, going to the selection events, because it's not only go to the competitions, you have to get the scores, then you have to get the selection scores. There's a lot goes into it to get into a major event. So I've worked hard to try and get to Worlds, but we just missed out. So then I've gone, all right, well, next one was Paris. So now it's the Paris campaign, which I believe qualifiers start early next year. So hopefully I'll be back on track by early next year and We'll have a horse and hopefully we can go and give that a bust. Yeah. Awesome. What is it about the competition, Kelly, that you like? So the, I guess my question is what's driving you to want to be the best in the world? Go to the um, I suppose just going and being with your horse and competing at something like that, it's a massive achievement. Um, you're representing your country. That's something that not everyone gets to do. And if you've got the ability to do it, why not try? Yeah, that's how mm. I see it. That's my main reason for doing it. Like I've got got some ability there. Why not give it a bust? Yeah, there's mm. nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost like let's make the most of it, grab the opportunity. Yeah, go with it. Go with the flow. See where it takes us. Yeah. Mm. You've said they say come along for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> You've said go with the flow twice now. What What do you mean when you say that? Well, everything, it's, if you just go with it, you see where it leads. Um, if you brace against it and say, no, I'm not doing that, well, then you don't know where that opportunity could take you. Like if, mm. so, say, for instance, someone says to me, well, do you want to ride this horse? If I say no, that horse could be the horse that takes me to Paris. I don't know. Nobody mm. knows at all. It's, you just mm. go with the flow. So I just go with the flow. Most of the time I say I do what Sensei says. That's my coach. So she's the Sensei. Um, so I say, send do what Sensei says. <laughs> yes, Sensei. No, Sensei. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like the Karate Kid. He listened to Mr. Miyagi and he got to go compete and become the Karate Kid wow. and the champion. Yeah, wow. Wax on, wax off. <laughs> and how do you go listening um, to your coach? Sorry, what, what was your coach's name? Her name's Julia. Julia, Julia. Battens. How do you go listening yeah. with Julia? How, how do you make that work? I, I I do pretty much everything she says because if you don't you don't get what you need out of a horse. Um, obviously, I wasn't a dressage rider. I was a Western rider when I was younger, and then went to pony club. So dressage was something that I didn't focus on. I liked jumping and all the fun stuff. I was on the state novelty team, and novelties is like barrel racing and games on horseback. So that was fun stuff whereas dressage is kind of like you said it's a test it's a bit boring but being disabled it's challenging because the movements are hard 
for us to do. So it makes it, but it is challenging and it is kind of fun because you're trying to get things that you can't normally do. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. So if if Julia tells you to do something, you're the, the type of athlete that will go, yep, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. coaches know best most of the time. They know what what's required of us in our sport. And Julia's been to a lot of high-end events. Um, she went to Rio and London and all that sort of stuff. So she's been to a lot of games. She took Joe to London and Joe gold medaled at London. So it's so you kind of look Joe? at it. And you, uh, Joe Formosa, Joanne Formosa. She's gold medalist para dressage rider. She got a gold medal in London 2012. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Is so she still you look at the at the like, oh, if they can do it once before they can do it again. <laughs> yeah. 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 Is is that Joe still competing? Yeah, Joe still competes. Um she's in grade two. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. All right. So you're an athlete that if your coach says do this, you'll do it. Yeah. Are you this kind of athlete that will do it exactly? Some athletes do more than what they are asked to do. Some athletes will do it, but they'll do it differently. Some athletes will do, you know, some of it. Where do you sit on that yeah. range? Um, I try and do it as best as I can to what they're asking me to do. Um, obviously, every coach directs you differently and every coach teaches you differently. Um, I've learned from a few different coaches, which is good. So you get a bit of different stuff each mm. time so then like if they're not happy with it they'll fiddle with it and yeah it, yeah okay. you just work with everyone to the best of your ability I guess yeah, yeah. and a lot of the times one of the um coaches Mary she's a lovely lady but there's a few times that I'm going off in my own little world and she's are you purposely ignoring me and it's not I'm not ignoring her so I'm trying to concentrate on what she'd said before and I was trying to fix it and she'd ask something and I just ignored her and yeah Julia said she's concentrating on what you asked her to fix so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so again the feedback from I don't do it on purpose I don't ignore them on purpose no no <laughs> so you're would you say you're pretty good at taking the feedback from the coaches um you're a pretty coachable kind of athlete you value their yes, definitely. guidance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. I value all their feedback. Um, they all teach really well. They've helped a lot yeah. along the way. Like there's lots of things that yeah. we've worked on. I go to clinic once a month. So that's where I normally see other coaches other than Julia. And Julia I train with every week. So it's weekly with Julia and the once a month with the other coaches. So it's good because then Julia and I know what we need to work on and we explain to them coaches, all right, we're working on this have a look at it, see what you mm. think you can improve on it. So, yeah. That's, that's great. I've got a couple of athletes I do mental skills coaching with and they've got more than one coach and it can be, um, it can highlight how important that trust and that communication is between coaches because it, it can get confusing for the athlete if they've got more than one coach. Um, yes, it definitely can. Yeah, okay. So as far as dealing with setbacks, so you've you just missed out on the world championships, which um, I'm imagining yeah. was pretty disappointing. You set yourself for getting ready to qualify for the Paris Olympics, and now you've had a setback with your horse. 
you've had to sack yes. your horse. Yes. And now you've got yes, to had to sack the horse, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Not, not ideal. How do you go with coping with I mean, they're just, you know, two bigger setbacks. I'm sure you've had more because all athletes do have setbacks. But how, what's your strategy for dealing with that? Um, my mindset at the moment is still a little bit mushy. I'm still a little bit upset about it all, um, obviously, because you work, I've worked with this horse since November, so it's a bit of a kick in the guts <laughs> to say, hey, all right, well, you're not going any further with this one. So it feels like we did all that work for nothing. Um, but we did get national champion with him. So we got our first time on the Australian team with him. Um, we got mm-hmm. onto the next para next squad. So like we've gotten a lot of milestones with him. Um, obviously mm-hmm. it's just his time's come. Now it's time for another one. Yeah. Like my mm-hmm. horse, I got the lower level champion. So then we moved on to this horse, got national champion and on the team. Now next step, hopefully Paris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the hope. Yeah. And as they say, you can only hope. That's all you can do is hope for the best and, yeah, go with it. Yeah. Okay. So that was really interesting. So when I asked you about the setbacks, you told me about what you got out of the horse, like you were able to count. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the time working with um, your last horse since November, it wasn't wasted because look at what you were. Yeah, we got we got stuff out of it, which is good. But it it feels like now it was wasted because we were really working towards a competition in a couple of weeks. So we we're meant to be competing in October. So and I was looking forward to smashing some goals there. We had a goal of getting my seventy percent. So and we're pretty close to getting it. Well, we think we are anyway. So, but then that's obviously now out the door. So that's one little thing gone. But we did gain others. So it's, you kind of weigh it up and you go, well, well, all right, well, we're still sitting in an all right spot and, yeah, see where we can go once I'm all healed and ready to go again. Mm. It sounds like yeah. such a useful approach because I'm guessing it would be easy to go, ah, oh, stuff it, you know, and yeah. really discount and not value and celebrate how far you have come. But yeah. it sounds like you're able to go, no, look at what we did achieve we achieved a lot actually and next like yes we're not going to do that plan that we were hoping but we'll have a different plan yeah well as they say it's when you've got a disability everything has to alter no matter what you do and nothing ever go most of the time things don't go to plan when you're disabled so it's kind of you have to have like a backup plan which we didn't have a backup plan so that's what it's kind of bitten us in the bum but we've got a fair few weeks to try and sorted out in the meantime because I've got good 12 weeks of downtime so yeah plenty of time to search around find a horse hopefully yeah mm. yeah so suitable for Interesting. it Interesting. yeah 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 I think that'll be really useful for um the West Vic athletes to hear that you know things are going to happen you're going to you know get an injury or get a, a sickness or you're yeah. comp- you're not going to get selected for what you were training for for eight months. Yeah, yeah that's it does happen. Everything happens. And they say that everything happens for a reason. So, and there might be, a, like Hubby said to me, there might be a reason why the horse broke my leg. He's maybe next time he was going to kill you. You don't know. Mm. Or next time you're driving there, you might have been in a car accident. Maybe it's because it, there's always a reason for something happening. So, okay. 
yeah, that's mm-hmm. how I see it. There's always a reason for something happening and why you didn't get to go. Like I, I believe I didn't get to go to Worlds because we weren't ready. We weren't ready for it. And now that I've hurt myself from that horse, that's made me realise, well, he wasn't the right horse. So that's possibly why we didn't quite get what we needed to go. So, mm-hmm. it, yeah, everything happens for a reason. That's what I reckon. <laughs> such an amazing um approach to it so just for anyone watching i don't think you've actually um when we jumped on just before the call you shared the injury that you sustained but i don't think you've shared that in our in this interview so are you okay to fill people in on why you sacked yeah yeah um i had a he had a bit of a spook last week and i fractured my femur in my leg so i've broken my leg they were already broken anyway because i've got a spinal cord injury and I'm in a wheelchair so I don't use my legs but it's still a bone break so now it's had a rod and pins put in it and 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 at home healing mm. yeah and it would be so easy it's for been reinforced, though. sorry it's been reinforced now though so that's a bonus yeah <laughs> yeah and again you're able to find like what's a useful way to think about it? I broke my leg oh it's been re- reinforced so, yeah and and they were already broken anyway so I didn't use them anyway so it's kind of like well at least I didn't break an arm if I had broken an arm we'd be in big trouble because <laughs> then I can't push myself along in my wheelchair and all that sort of stuff so things can always be worse than what they are even if like you're injured it can be a lot worse could have yeah. broken my neck or something worse so yeah. I'm glad it's only a broken leg yeah mm. wow I'm I'm hearing you and I'm I'm kind of going that's a just a great way to be in the world, isn't it? Like, yeah, well, I broke my leg, but it's not my arm. Like, it's just a useful Yeah, but way. it's not my arm, so I can put it on. Yeah. Yeah. And you can still probably do some kind of training. Like, you're not, you can't, is it that you can't do anything or is there some things that you can work on or you can? Um, still- they told me to use, use my body and leg as usual. Um, just no heavy stuff on my lap at the moment because my leg's still really swollen. Um, do upper body exercises with weights and stuff. I can still do all that sort of stuff. Um, do the usual house stuff that I've been bopping around and doing, like the dishes and yeah. make the beds and stuff like that. But yeah. yeah, no riding. They've said no physical riding until bones healed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you're the sort of athlete that will do the stuff that you can do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I've been home since I got home on Sunday night and hubby's already back at work. I've already sent him and my eldest son back to work and the kids are back at school. I'm not transferring in and out the car, but the teachers are organised to pick up the kids to take them to school and all that sort of stuff because transferring in and out the car is a little bit of an issue with swollen, sore leg. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So will you do, like you said, you could do some upper body stuff with weights will you do that yeah yeah definitely oh because otherwise if I don't do it it's going to be too much of a recovery to come back mm-hmm. um okay. put a yeah. lot of effort into the recovery up till this point so mm-hmm. it's been like in the beginning I was seeing a physio three times a week and then we'd knock that down to once a week and then it went to once a fortnight because of I was riding more now there's no riding so it's kind of have no option but to do something else to keep up the core strength and everything because if I don't do it, the, the muscles will just give way and 
right. back to square one and have to work my body all the way back up again. Right. Okay. Yeah. So rather than going all or nothing, oh my gosh, I can't ride, I've got a broken leg, you're going, no, we're going to keep building we're not going to stop and rest we're going to keep building with what we can do yes I can't write I can do other stuff yes exactly exactly and I'm still going to like the competition in October I'm still going to go down there and see all the riders and all that sort of stuff because it's it's they're my friends so I'm going to go down there and watch them ride and watch them compete and they need a hand with anything or if they want to have a meltdown there I'm there for them to have a little hissy fit too and Yeah. yeah I was going to be there anyway so what's the difference yeah Yeah. okay yeah interesting because I have worked with um, some athletes and they couldn't go like if they're injured and it's nationals or something they're like no I can't go and watch because I'm too you know upset that I'm not competing whereas yeah I'm upset that I'm not competing but I'm also happy to be there for the others so because they're all really good people and it's not their fault that I can't compete so Yeah. yeah Yeah. And it's, I like I like the fact of being there. That I wanted to be there and wanted to watch them anyway. So, yeah, normally I would have around my own class. I would have popped out and watched a few, and then after my class, go and watch some more. Yeah, yeah. So I'll drive down there for the day and go see them all. And yeah, yeah. because you you did explain earlier, it is for you also about the friends that you've made, the community. Um, yeah, it's, and it's good for your mental health too to get out and about. Yeah. <laughs> And connect with people, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Surround yourself in what you love. Like, obviously, you love yeah. what you're doing. So, and we might never know. Might meet someone down there. Like, it's it's a competition. There's lots of horses. Someone might have a horse there for me. Mm. I might meet a horse. Mm. So you never know. You might I might meet an owner, meet a horse. God knows. Learn something. Have a conversation. Learn something. Goes, oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that. You needed to help with something. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm sure you'll enjoy the day. So that's in October, isn't it? Yeah, that's in October. Yeah, yeah. And then as far as your, you know, how you qualify for the Olympics, do you think you've you've still got time, even though you're going to have this 12 weeks of no riding, you've still got time to qualify? Is that? We're hoping so, yeah. Um, If all goes to plan and I'm healed by November, to be able to get back on in November, I'll be able to compete in January. So and that that means that we'll make the qualifiers for next year so it just depends on whether we can get a horse that's good enough and whether I'm healed in time so I'm hoping so you can only hope yeah Yeah. exactly oh thank you so much for sharing what you've shared as far as just to finish off as far as your support from Westwick Academy of of sport what's that mean for you to have to have their support behind you and what kind of support have they are they offering you um well Sinead and Sinead's been great that's who I normally deal with from Westwick um her and I chat quite often and talk about my plan and what my goals are and what I need to get in line for them goals so that's really helped because there's some things that she's put in there that we didn't even flag out yet she's gone oh well maybe you should flag this one in and maybe you should flag that one in and like nutritionist, we she helped me with setting up a competition exercise, like competition nutrition plan and all that sort of stuff. So that really helped because I was struggling with keeping the energy levels up at competitions. Um, Sam helped me with a lot with strength and conditioning. That's one of their strength and conditioning coaches. He helped me 
managed to get a lot more st stability in my core. We started off, I couldn't sit on an exercise ball on my own. And by the end of a few sessions, he had me sitting on the exercise ball on my own with him pushing the exercise ball underneath me. So, yeah, like it was just the little things. And, yeah, they've helped with some recovery plans and competition support, which has been great. Yeah. And how did, that, some really good yeah. stuff. did they approach you? Did you approach them? How, how did it? Um, I actually got in in through the West Vic Academy, through the um, Victorian Regional Parasport Program. Um, they've, Paralympics Australia started a regional sport program and included the academies to take on the para-athletes. So I got a scholarship through Paralympics Australia and that's how we ended up with West Vic. Right. Awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And is it an ongoing sort of support that Westwick provide? How does that work? Um, at this stage, I believe so, yes. Um, it was originally for a year and then they did a second year's running of it. So I'm not sure if they're going to continue it on next, but it seems to be working well for most athletes. Um, we've got a camp coming up in at the end of September, I believe. Yeah, so that's at Essendon at the Hangar and we get to see all the Paralympics Australia headquarters and go to the Victorian Institute of Sport and all that sort of stuff. So that should be interesting and fun. And we get to meet all the other para regional para athletes that are in the para sport program. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that does sound good. That's a connection again. Yeah, it's a connection again, but you get to meet all these new different ones that you haven't met. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. So if you had, and I know this is a bit of a hard question, so some advice for let's say there's Westwick Academy of Sport athletes watching this right now and they've heard your story and they've heard your you know your mindset and your approach to things like you know nerves and feedback and setbacks and competition what's what's I don't want to say advice but if you were to share something with them what do you reckon would be a useful thing from your perspective as you think about your athletic journey? What would be something that you might be able to, you know, share your wisdom about? What do you reckon is really important? Well, obviously it's really important to just be true to yourself and what you want to do. Like if you want to follow it and go with it, go with it. If you don't, don't. <laughs> it's, you've got to make up your own mind. No one can make up your mind for you. Um yeah, and I guess that's about it, really. Just stay true to yourself. Work, work hard for what you want. If you work hard enough, you'll you'll get to where you want to go. It's just a matter of you got to take the stepping stones to get there. And a lot of the time, there is you'll take two steps forward and one step back. Yeah, it's just part of life, and it happens with everything. It's not just with sport. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Kelly Frost, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing and being so open. Um, great to hear about your journey so far. All the best with the recovery of your broken femur. Yes, thank you. And then your, you know, your goal around qualifying for the um, Paris Olympics 2024. So obviously we'll all be looking out and cheering you on for that to that to happen. Thank you for your time and also thank you so much to West Vic Academy of Sport for allowing us to do this interview today. Thanks, everyone. Please sing out. If you'd like to get in contact with Kelly or follow her progress, maybe you're on 
Where are you on? How can people follow um, you? I'm on Instagram. They can look me up at, at Kelly Frost and it's double F, double F R O S T. All right. Wonderful. Thanks for your time, Kelly. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now. Thank you very much. Bye. Thanks for listening to page one of the Athlete Handbook. Big shout out to Sue Anderson for hosting today's episode. This podcast is brought to you by the Westwick Academy of Sport. It was recorded in Ballarat on the land of the Wadawurrung and Jar Jar Rung people and we recognise their continuing connection to the land and waterways.